If you have your Bibles, um, you may have your Kindles, your Nooks, your iPhones, your Androids. I used to just say, if you have your Bibles, turn in your Bibles, but now we have all of these devices that we have the Bible on, so I want to include everybody, so if you have your Android or your iPhone, turn there as well. And uh, go to Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going tonight. Um, some of you know us. We've been here, I think we're in our, what are we, our third, fourth year? Third year here. So, wow, this is, uh, this is exciting for us. Um, we're, this past um, July 7th, we celebrated 46 years of marriage. So, um, it's pretty significant with the same woman that's, she's put up with me for 46 years, and that's, uh, that's quite a feat in and of itself. But, um, we've, uh, I was doing ministry before I, I met her. As, as a matter of fact, I've really been doing ministry since I was about two years old. I grew up in a pastor's home, and, uh, so it's, it's been a unique journey that the Lord um, has, um, has had us on since we uh, came to faith in Him at an early age. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at 13 years old and have uh, continued to, to process this journey with the Lord uh, for uh, this past Monday was a week ago. I shudder to think, with 69 years I've been at this, so... I'm fixing to cross over next year into the uh, 70 uh, generation, and it's going to be neat. We are empty nesters. All of our children are married and out of the nest. Some of you may know me uh, better as Ryan's father. Uh, we lose our identity the older we get in our children. We become known as the parents of our, of our children. So I'm, several of you have walked up to me, oh, you're Ryan's dad, yes. So that's me. Um, our oldest daughter and her husband, Pastor in Ennis, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas. They've been there about 12 years. Our middle daughter's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. She's married to a state farm agent. Oldest daughter has two grandchildren, a boy and a girl. Middle daughter has four children, and uh, they're all precious. And then, uh, and then the only young man that's going to carry on my and my father's legacy, which is four generations, is Zion David, who was born in June 26th, and uh, he's, the, he's the love of our life. He's got his Indian gold chain already around his neck, and <laughs> mama's teaching in Tamil, and so he's going to know Indian and, and English, so... It's, it's, it's a fun, fun thing, and we, we love all of them dearly. And so Thanksgiving, we'll get to get together with all of them. They all come home. They go over the river and through the woods to <laughs> Grammy and Grammy Daddy's house. I'm Grammy Daddy. My oldest, my oldest granddaughter named me that. Um, when she couldn't say Granddaddy, she said she could get Grammy, and she handled Grammy real well, and I became Grammy Daddy. <laughs> so that's who I am, Grammy Daddy. Hallelujah. So, yeah, don't you love it, Allison? You got caught off guard tonight with the bulletin. And uh, I was thinking that I was sitting that um, you really set it up for me because I love bulletin bloopers. And I read church bulletins from time to time. I remember looking at a bulletin one week, and uh, the story behind it was the pastor was headed to a conference, and he was out the door, and the secretary said, listen, I need to publish something in the bulletin. What's going to be your sermon title for uh, Sunday? He said, I, you know, I really don't have a title for it just yet. But the scripture passage is, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And said, just come up with something. And then, and then um, you know, that night, uh, we'll, you know, we're going to have a concert by the organist. And he said, I'm going to do something uh, um, on the topic of hell so he got, he got on the platform that morning and opened up the bulletin, and the title of his message for that day was, What the Fool Said. And he said, and then said, come to, uh, come to our service tonight, and said, here uh, the pastor's message is going to be, what hell is really like. 
come early and hear our organist play. So, <laughs> so it was, sometimes you can, you can get messed up with those for sure. <laughs> Matthew chapter 4, uh, you can go there. But we want to talk about the transformed mind. Um, like many of you, I'm a student of the Word. Um, I, I'm ever learning and digging and searching. I remember, um, it's probably been a year or so ago, was it Brother, I remember his first name, Doyle, was it Brother Doyle? Bradford? When he was with us, and he, he delivered a prophetic word that day that, that stuck in my mind as it relates to uh, where we're going with this. He said, you know, you're not going to be able to handle what the Lord is about to do here. What God is about to release, you're not going to be able to handle it. And I thought, wow, that's, that's kind of an unusual challenge. And I began to mull that over in my spirit and just meditate on it and think about it. And as I prayed over it, and it seemed the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about this subject of the transformed mind and said, in order for us to be able to handle what the Lord wants to do among us in this body and to advance the work of the kingdom in this region, we're going to have to begin to operate and think and function in supernatural realms. We can no longer stay in the realm of the natural if we're going to see the things that the book of Acts church saw in, the, in terms of Signs, wonders, and miracles. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall. And whatever the need presented itself at the moment, they were sufficient by the Spirit of the Lord with the Word of God that was working actively within them as co-laborers together with God to perform the works that God had assigned them to do in that present day. And I believe the Lord has yet a greater work. I believe he's preparing new wineskins. Hello, are there any wineskins here tonight? He's creating some new wineskins because he wants to pour some of the new wine of his spirit into us. You know, uh, when, when God begins to speak a fresh word to, to us, he does it for the purpose of renewing our mind. It's not just the same old, same old. God desires to renew our minds, getting our thinking reshaped, reformed, renewed, if you will, back to the thinking that Adam and Eve had before the fall. They were living in utopia. Everything they had need of was provided. God even gave them the authority to have dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the animals of, on the land. He gave them that assignment. And then he said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. So the transformed mind is a consistent process in reflection of our growth in knowing God. There's a lot of people that know about God, but they don't know God. Do you have a relationship with God? A deep-seated, intimate relationship with God where you know God and God knows you. The mind is the spiritual portion of us that operates through the brain. It's invisible. It is seen only by our speech and our actions. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says, Like a city that is broken down and without walls, leaving it unprotected, is a man who has no self-control over his spirit and sets himself up for trouble. Now, I'm reading out of the Amplified Version because I figured I wanted, to, 
I needed to access all the power I could get tonight, so I'm using the amped up version, okay? So what is the ultimate goal or purpose or objective? The renewed mind is to be in control of ourselves and respond biblically in every situation like Jesus. Let me say that again. To be in control of ourselves and respond biblically in every situation like Jesus. Now, when I was coming up as a young boy, a teenager, we had this wonderful chorus I've never forgotten. And when we were coming up, it, it said, To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, that's all I ask, to be like Him. All through life's journey from earth to glory, that's all I ask, to be like Him. That's, okay, thank you. All right, you're taking me back, you'll make me want to sing more. Don't teach, sing. Well, I'll throw in a little history here. I was, a, I was a music major at the University of Central Florida in voice performance for four years and two years at uh, Polk State College. So I learned a little bit about that and the, the discipline of, of uh, the art of, uh, of singing. I love to sing. been singing since I was two. To be in control of ourselves. Are you in control? There used to be a commercial on TV and they said the person was out of control. The youngster was throwing a temper tantrum and the parent would come in and say, Son, control yourself. You're out of control. You're losing it. But we want to be in control of our spirit and our faculty. And in order to do that, in order to respond in every situation like Jesus... We're going to have to renew our minds. Now, tonight I, we're going we're gonna to address the rough part. It gets better from here. Okay? So just let me set you up and kind of give you the precursor to where I'm headed. Because tonight I want to talk about the unregenerate mind. In order to, in order to appreciate the regenerated mind, the renewed mind, the transformed mind, we have to understand what the unregenerate mind looks like. The principal issue that, we're, that we all face, every person here. How many people here today, you, you, you had some negative thought, negative issue, some bad thought or idea that crossed your mind today? Anybody? Okay, good. I've got the right group. Because I'm with you. Every day of our lives, thoughts or ideas are going to enter our minds that we're going to have to make an adjudication. We're going to have to judge that thought or idea as to how we're going to deal with it, how we're going to address it. And the issue here is because we were born into sin, we have this sin nature and this propensity to lean or bend or be influenced by the nature of our flesh. Because, you know, I, obviously everybody knows this. If you don't, let me just review it with you quickly. We're triune beings, correct? We're flesh or body. We're mind or soul. Or, and we're also spirit. And so we have this propensity to lean to the flesh side rather than the spirit side. And the brain, the mind, is caught in the middle of how to adjudicate all of these thoughts and ideas and propensities that we have to deal with. So Romans chapter 7, look at verse 21 if you're taking notes. Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, he says, So I find it to be the law of my inner self that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully delight in the law of God in my inner self with my new nature. But I see a different law and rule of action in the members of my body, in its appetites and desires. 
waging war against the law of my mind and subduing me and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is within my members. Yet there are values and inner motivations that determine how we speak, how we talk. It's called self-talk. If the brain stops functioning, the mind has nowhere to express itself. If the brain stops functioning, your mind has nowhere to express itself. That's why when the neurosurgeon comes and says, they're brain dead. Some of us feel like we're, I felt like I've been brain, the brain, I'm in a fog. The brain is not functioning to its optimum, to its potential. So the unregenerated mind, the indwelling sin nature, is dealing with the depravity of man. How are we depraved? The unregenerated mind cannot know God. According to 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, absurd and illogical to him, and he is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. Futility of their minds and in the foolishness and emptiness of their souls, for their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is clouded. They are alienated and self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the willful ignorance and spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them because of the hardness and insensitivity of their heart. Yet the natural man or the carnal mind is not totally wasted or without resource. The carnal mind can do certain things. The natural man can turn over a new leaf. The natural man can be sensitive to Christian values. He can overcome addictions. He can take anger management classes. He can even be familiar with godly things and associate with godly people. But the reality is we need people who are born again, born of the Spirit. They have had a conversion experience rather than people with an aversion to Christian things. The natural mind can have a high IQ. Not every unsaved person is stupid. It can be rich. It can be in love to the highest levels of human possibility. It can create. It can dream. It can imagine. It can process grief. It can process various realms of reality and even grow to higher levels of human potential. How many know the unregenerated mind can do a lot of good things? There's a lot of good people. I know people with unregenerated minds that are doing more and are better to people than I've seen Christian folks do. They just have this propensity to, to do good things. It's part of their nature. They just do good. They just serve. But they cannot know God and cannot be renewed in and of themselves to God's thoughts except by the Holy Spirit. Over the last hundred years, unregenerated minds have begun to figure out some of the things of which there's challenges to believers 
If an unregenerated, unregenerated mind can figure these things out, how much more should Christian believers who have knowledge of God and who have a regenerated mind, how much more should we have figured some things out? Unregenerated minds have figured out we can create change in our lives by gaining control over our thoughts. Unregenerated minds know that we can think irrationally. Our perceived center of control, self-control, affects our behavior. Our thoughts affect our behavior, and it affects our emotions. Self-talk is a key to condition behavior. We have figured out through Freudian psychology, from whence cometh our problems. What is the problem? I remember we were doing a musical a few years ago when I was pastoring. My brother-in-law was playing Pontius Pilate. Jesus was on trial. My brother-in-law came out with this stoic look on his face with his blue robe and his gold leaf seal around his head as the procurator over Rome and Jesus' own trial and he was supposed to have said what evil has this man done? All of a sudden I saw this blank look come over Ron's face. He quieted the crowd and he said yea I say unto thee what's the problem? said, Ron, that's not the line. <laughs> His father happened to be sitting in the audience that night. He looked over at the person sitting next to him. He said, I think he's going to let Jesus go. <laughs> our behavior can affect our emotions. What we say, whence cometh the problem? Isaiah 51 Verses 1 and 2 addresses this. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, right standing with God, who seek and inquire of the Lord. Look to the rock from whence you were cut and to the excavation of the quarry from which you were dug. You see, this is more than just getting an opportunity to self-actualize ourselves. This is more than just going on Dr. Phil and blaming our parents and blaming other people for the problems that we have. Hello, somebody. This isn't about our right to entitlement. The unregenerated mind in the world has figured out that self-awareness leads to self-management. Social awareness leads to relationship management. You can even live an offense-free life through mental training. Isn't it amazing what the mind is capable of doing? The natural man has figured out a lot of things, but the natural man cannot know God. I want to emphasize that. He cannot know God and cannot be in relationship with God except through the new birth. Hallelujah. Now, where do these thoughts and urges and ideas come from? I want to talk about three things here real quick. Hun, keep me on, on target tonight, okay? So get out your Android and make sure I don't go too far because that was, that was, my, one, that was my one downfall when I was pastoring was I never kept track of time. I just went till I got through. Sometimes it was 30 minutes. Sometimes it was an hour and 30 minutes. I want to talk about three things. Urges, fantasies, and ideas. Urges, fantasies, and ideas. Sin is an invisible power that comes from Satan. 
Its impact on the human mind is to stimulate the brain to think in terms of urges, fantasies, and ideas that distract and destroy us from divine potential. Satan gains his entrance through the decision-making, problem-solving activities of our minds when he stimulates our urges, fantasies, and ideas. Our ability to be self-aware and aware of others. He leaves us like Eve, and I'll use Eve first before Adam because she was the one that encountered the serpent initially. But he leaves us like Eve and Adam with our own poison. Notice what's about to happen to Jesus as we're looking at Matthew 4. Happened in Genesis 3 when the devil comes to Eve and he gave her a fantasy of being like God. You can be like God. All you have to do is disobey him. Eat the fruit. He gave her an urge. And then he gave her an idea of unlimited freedom. Even freedom to disobey her creator. Wow. <laughs> Thank God in this passage we're about to look at, Jesus did not succumb to the fantasies, urges, and ideas of the devil. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. After he had gone without food for 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. The tempter came to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. How many know that's a pretty good idea? Command these stones. I know you're hungry. I know you've been fasting. Do, do we understand that when God is about to release something from heaven into our spirit, we're going to be met with resistance from hell? The temptation is going to come. When God begins to speak something in terms of supernatural revelation or He wants to move us to another realm or what Brother Doyle said to us, you can't handle what's coming. That was a challenge to this body for preparation. Preparation for revelation. Preparation to renew our minds. Preparation to move from the level of the natural to the level of the supernatural. Instead of operating in the law of sin and death, operate according to the law of life and the Spirit in Christ Jesus. And we'll get into, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we'll get into how we're going to get there. Because there's a way you get there. Every idea that comes to us may be a good idea, but it may not be the right idea. In this case, Jesus was able to perceive correctly and respond with a renewed mind. He replies, it is written and forever remains written. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The devil tries to give him an urge and takes him to the holy city. And the devil looks, took him up to the holy city, Jerusalem, and placed him on the pinnacle, the highest point of the temple, and said mockingly to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Isn't that what he tries to do to each one of us? He'll challenge your identity. He's going to come at you to see if he can destroy who you are in Christ. Because if he gets your identity, he nullifies your authority. Once your identity is compromised, you have no authority to operate in the supernatural realm. But Jesus comes back and says it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you. To serve, care for, protect, and watch over you. Is anybody getting a hold of this? 
He's commanding his angels concerning you. If he did it for Jesus, he'll do it for you. If he did it then, he's still the same yesterday, today and forever. He's doing it now. He'll command his angels concerning you when you use the word of God. They'll lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. He mixes Scripture with fantasy and says, jump. If you're the Son of God, jump. It won't hurt you. You're going to be okay. How many are glad Jesus didn't succumb to the fantasy? If he didn't, neither do you and I have to. Verse 8 and 9, again the devil took him up on a high mountain, showed him the kingdoms of the world and the glory and splendor and magnificence and excellence of them and said to them, all these I'll give you if you fall down and worship me. What's happening here? The devil recognizes that the second person of the Godhead has come to dwell among men, so it must be a pretty serious event. Must be a pretty serious thing that's happening here. If you'll worship me. Many of us have ever had that encounter. If you'll worship me. If you'll just compromise. You can have that supervisor position. If you'll just compromise. You can have that woman that's not yours. If you'll just compromise bow down and worship me but watch what jesus says he closes the door in verse 10 and he says go away satan listen when you renew your mind sometimes you have to speak directly at the devil you have to speak directly to what's tormenting and what's bothering you or what's challenging your spirit get behind me get out of here Close the door on the thought pattern. Go away, Satan, for it is written forever, you shall worship the Lord your God. Hallelujah. I'm going to worship him. Listen, I know from whence I came, he was saying. And I'm going to worship him and serve him only. And guess what happens? The devil left him. Angels came and ministered to him, bringing him food and serving. Listen, this was huge. This was a huge deal. This was a big deal. I've heard pastors preach it from just about every angle. Oh, every time the devil tempted him, he just used the word. He stood in the authority that the Holy Spirit had imparted to him because he knew who he was. He understood what his assignment was. Why? Because his mind was renewed. I'm not here on assignment in and of myself, I'm here on assignment from the Father. And any words you hear me say, the Father gave them to me. What I'm saying here tonight, the Father is giving it to me. I wanted to research this and bring you something meaningful that would build this body up and help us to mature in Christ. We're all on the journey together. I'm in this with you. I'm your biggest fan. I've told my kids that all their lives. Dad's your biggest fan. I had one of them call me just last week. See, now I'm in a different mode. They're adults. I'm a, we're adult to adult now. I mean, to know there comes a time that you stop treating your children they're still your children, but they're adults, and you, you, you communicate with them on a different plane. And one of mine called me last week and said, Dad, I'm ready. I've had it. I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm ready to quit. I'm tired of fooling with people. We love people, and about the time we, we think they're going to stay with us, they pick up and leave. They're in and out. Where we're pastoring, sometimes it feels like a revolving door. They're here one week, they're gone the next. None of y'all have to deal with that here, not our staff. This is a church that's problem-free. No, we have problems here. 
Well, then I'm talking to the right group. She said, it's creating problems in my marriage. My husband and I don't speak to each other anymore. And when we speak, we argue. Well, thank the Lord I'd been studying for this series. And I said, "Hun, have you been renewing your mind? Well, no, I never thought of it like that. I said, the enemy has come to offend your mind, and it's now revealing your heart. Is your heart in it to worship him? I said, you're a worshiper. You're a psalmist. God's given you songs in the midnight hour. You've recorded those songs. You've, been, you, you've raised them up. You wrote a song called, It's Not Over. It's not over. I'll restore. I'll renew. I'll make all things new. I just ministered that to her for about an hour. About an hour on the phone. Sometimes you have to take, you have to take time with your youngins. Sometimes we have to take time with one another. It's one of the hallmarks for me. If, don't, don't be in ministry if you don't love people. If you don't love people, don't be in ministry. That's a hallmark. That's a benchmark. You've got to love people. Jesus loved people. He was moved with... The crowd is hungry before the Sermon on the Mount. And he was moved with compassion. He loved people. What resources have we got? Let's plug it in. Let's get it done. Let's minister to the people. Let's help the people. This is huge. What Jesus accomplished. Because it's fundamental to our understanding of the renewed mind. The natural, the unregenerated man can't even know God. And it cannot be renewed in the knowledge of God. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Because we need biblical truth to hang some of these truths upon these urges, fantasies, and ideas we have. Because how many know the enemy comes at you with these things? All these things I'll give you. You can have it all. And it started with an idea. It started with a thought pattern. That's why Jesus, when he was confronted by the religious leaders of his day about the woman overtaken in adultery, he said, he said, which is it? Was it the act or was it the thought? Was it the idea? I tell you, a man who looks on a woman to lust after has committed adultery with her in his heart. It was the thought. It was the idea. It was the urge. And the enemy comes to appeal to our flesh, our carnal, our natural man. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh, the lust and longing of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources, or in the stability of earthly things. Listen to this. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world. Those types of thoughts, ideas, urges, fantasies are not from God. We have to adjudicate those things when they come to our minds. My father always told me one thing. Son, if you don't want it, don't plant it. Because you don't make fun of God, whatever you sow, you'll reap. You don't sow your wild oats and then pray for a crop failure. Hello? Some do. Oh God, don't, don't, don't let what I've done, don't let that come to pass. When we know that we've willfully made a choice... And sinned against the Lord. To those of us who know to do good and don't do it, to us it is what? Sin. Sin. 
We've been called, according to Ephesians, we've been called to good works. We've been created for a divine purpose. And when we fall short of that by leaning towards our flesh rather than going after the things of the Spirit, we reap the consequences of what we allowed to happen in our flesh. We develop mindsets. Mindsets are like, I'm going to date myself, they're like grooves in a vinyl record. The old records, they're making a comeback now. I went through records, eight tracks, cassettes. I used to have a whole case that I just kept all of my eight tracks in. Chicago, David Gates, Kenny Rogers, all of those. The Rascals, Strawberry Alarm Clock. Now that's back when music was music. That was the Renaissance. Except for, as Jeremiah says, all of us gray hairs that go back to the 30s and the 40s and way back. We, we even do that. I, I'm going to chase a rabbit here, but I'm notorious for that. We do that in the church. I was a music pastor for 20 years. And I dealt with the whole gambit of it. If we sang new choruses, it was a sect that didn't like it. They wanted the hymns. Sing that song that I remember when I got saved. Bless God. My choir used to sing a song by Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir called One Less Stone. If we sang that song, we knew every time we sang it, we had one sister in the church was going to shout the house down. Every time it happened, she shouted. All we had to do was break into one less stone and it happened. <laughs> I was even thinking about music tonight as we were singing, we're slaying giants. Do you, God is a genius. God is a genius. He can get you to sing things that you would never pray. He can get you to speak prophetic utterances to music that you would you say, oh my God, I can't say that. That's dangerous. But you'll sing it. God, I'm going to slay giants. I'm out here. I'm after them. Come on. You're going to do the impossible. You're going to do the miraculous. Yes, sir. We just get a whole different mindset when we, and that's the beauty of coming together and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is, but more so as we see the day of the Lord approaching. We come together because we need to renew our minds. We need some new mindsets. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Worship Him in the beauty of holiness. I like to go back and sing what a friend we have in Jesus. I can sing something beautiful, something good, all my confusion. I know all of them. I used to have all 11 volumes of Integrity Music's new choruses. We had 800 choruses that we could sing. I used to put them together as themes. We'd sing a theme of faith. We'd sing a, faith of, a theme of joy. We'd sing a theme of peace. We could do it by theme. And we modulated through the whole thing. Modulation, there's a good word. Some of us need our minds modulated. We need to move to a different realm, a different thought pattern. Instead of operating in the things of the flesh and the things of this world, don't be conformed. Here's our theme scripture, Romans 12, 2. Don't be. We're in a state of being. Be. It's not about what you do. It's who you become. We're so busy doing, we think if we do more, we'll please people more. In the kingdom, it's not that way. You don't do more. You become more. Be more. Don't be conformed to this world don't conform to the ideas to the urges and to the fantasies that this world says 
Don't operate by their mode of, mode of thinking, but be transformed. Transform your thinking. God's calling you to a higher dimension, to a higher plane. That's the only way we're going to be able to handle what Brother Doyle said to us. You can't handle what's about to come. The only way you can handle it is to be on a different plane. It's called the supernatural. So when you go to the Cracker Barrel and you run into the waitress and you see her eyes have been swelled up because she's been crying all night because her husband left her. And God moves on you by the Holy Spirit and gives you revelation in your mind of what's going on. And you begin to prophesy and speak to her and call out the divine potential and the divine purpose of God that He has in store for her life. And you can lead her to Christ. Did you see the beautiful example on TV last week? The officer, she thought she was in the wrong, was in her apartment and she was in the wrong apartment. Your mind will play tricks on you. I'm in the wrong apartment. She shoots an innocent young man to death. She's sentenced to 10 years in prison. Could have got life. That's the mercy of God anyway. But the young man's brother is on the stand and he looks at this girl who's just broken. She's devastated. You can tell this is true remorse and repentance. And he says, I forgive you. Has anybody ever heard those words echoed from a tree called a cross from a man named Jesus who said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. But he said, I forgive you. And he looks at the judge and says, can I go give her a hug? This is, being, this is while the cameras are rolling. And he asked the judge a second time. And I heard this morning on the news. He said, why did you ask a second time? She said, when he asked me a second time, I couldn't turn him down. That's what Jesus meant but when he said, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking and you'll find. You'll find. He went over and gave her a hug. It so moved the judge, she came down off the bench and grabbed a convicted murderer and took her in her arms and held her and cried with her went and got a Bible and opened up to John 3.16 and says here's what your father thinks about you my God here's what your heavenly father thinks about you he so loved you that he gave his son and commuted the penalty of sin. I may have had to sentence you according to the law to 10 years in prison, but your heavenly father has forgiven you. And he's commuted the penalty. That's a renewed mind. That's a renewed mind. I was guilty of sin. I wore the label. The soul that sins dies. But Jesus has commuted the penalty of my sin. And because of that, not only is my mind renewed, I'm now called to let him develop his divine potential and work his work by and through his spirit in me and through me. He's willing and doing now by the spirit according to his good pleasure because I'm allowing him to renew my mind. I'm not being conformed to this world. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Grandma, I knew, I knew it was going to happen. I'd run out of time. <clears throat> 
Don't try to modify the problem. When bad urges and fantasies and ideas come, don't try to modify it. People try to reach, oh, I'm going to get self-help. All that's good. I'm not against counseling. I've sent people to it. I walked a young lady through, I'll tell you, the baptism into the ministry. I had a young lady and her husband walk into my office. They had just recently gotten saved. They were down at the altar one Sunday morning just weeping, and they got up. They were smiling. You could tell they were so free. I looked at Mike and Amy, and I said, I said, stay with the Lord, and he's going to make something wonderful out of your life. It's going to be good, I promise you. Stay with him. Two weeks later, they're in my office. Matt is a wet hen at each other. I said, so what's going on? She looks over at me and she said, he's a jerk. I said, what? You just got saved. He's a jerk. What do you mean by he's a jerk? He's been married five times and he's an alcoholic and I can't live with him. And there's 25 difference in age, 25 years difference in our age. We find nothing compatible. I said, well, Mike, now that I know how she feels about you, what's going on with her? (laughs) Here's the bombshell. Well, I just found out that we're not compatible in any way because she's a lesbian. She's She's confessed to me that she's been a practicing lesbian since she was a teenager. I said, oh boy, I've got, a, I've got a divorced alcoholic and a lesbian. I, I rocked back in my easy chair <laughs> in my office because I said, Lord, uh, I didn't get this in crisis counseling in, the, in seminary. This was not in the purview of what I needed to have addressed. God's so good. I looked up and I said, Lord, what do I do now? Never forget it. Here's what the Holy Spirit said. Love them. Two words. Love them. Long story short, because this rocked on for four years of spiritual, emotional, and physical healing. They separated. They divorced. They went their separate ways. I put her into counseling. I said, how were you introduced into this lifestyle? My youth pastor. I said, well, the church's credibility shot to heck. It's pretty much down the tube. How do we handle this? We're going to love you, but you're going to be in the Word every day. You're going to be in the Word. Because you're operating in unnatural affection. I called her what the Bible calls it. It's unnatural affection. So my prayer and the renewing of her mind was, Lord, restore to her natural affection. Restore, 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 renew, transform, transform, transform. And I stayed in constant contact with her. I said, you're going to call me every day, every day. She went through a whole gambit of stuff. Pastor, it's not fair. Life is not fair. All I've ever wanted was a husband and a family, and God's taken all this away from me. She blamed God. Everything was God's fault. She was mad at God. Kept on loving her. Restore her. Renew her mind. Renew her mind, Lord. Her husband, he kept on going to church. Little did I know what the Lord had spoken to him. They both allowed the Holy Spirit to fill them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And God began to work on each of them. And the Lord spoke to Mike and said, I want you to go down to Lakeland Cash Feed And I want you to get you a sack of mustard seed. And I want you to take two of those mustard seed. I want you to put them in your mouth. And I want you to chew them up and eat them. 
And that's going to be representative of you memorizing two verses of Scripture that you're going to put into your spirit every day. That rocked on for four years. One day they called me and I met them at Jimbo's. That's a good place to do ministry. <laughs> it's a good place. Jimbo's is a good place. Especially when you top it off with apple pie and ice cream. Hallelujah. Don't you feel the Holy Ghost in that? I do. I just feel the Spirit of the Lord with that. And as we sat down and were eating that, and they looked and they smiled at each other, and they said, she looked and said, the Lord has restored me to natural affection, and I now have the proper respect and love for this man, and we want you to perform our wedding ceremony. And I performed their wedding ceremony on Super Bowl Sunday. And it was a super-duper supernatural experience because the Lord put them back together. And tonight, as I speak, they are in church in Morrow, Georgia, been serving the Lord for the last 12 to 15 years, and God has given them a son who today is 10 years old, thriving and healthy, and God's given them a beautiful family. Hallelujah. That's about the transformed life, the renewed mind. Amen? That's what God will do when we allow Him. We don't conform or trans, we let Him transform us. All right. I've got a lot more here, but I'm going to go right to the end. I'm going to give you something good here, okay? A new way of thinking begins by... Biblical self-awareness. Psalm 51, 6. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part of my heart you will make me know wisdom. The inner part of me. I want to know wisdom. James said that in James 3. Wisdom that God imparts to us is first of all pure. And it comes from above. And he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. And he'll give it to you. He'll give you wisdom. I believe that was divine wisdom that night in that office when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, love them. And for four years, I loved them into the kingdom of God. So that they could realize their divine potential. James chapter 1 verse 23 for if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in a mirror. For he once looked at himself and gone away. He immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, Listen to what happens to him. He will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience. Many understand that the key to the renewed mind is obedience to what God instructs you to do. How many want the blessings and the favor of the Lord on you? Are you prepared to do what he requires of you? What he speaks to your spirit because it's for your own good. When my father used to discipline me, he always said to me, Son, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And it wasn't until I had to discipline my own children that I understood what he meant. Because it hurt at the heart level. It hurts the heart. But God does it for our good. Search me, O God, Psalm 139. Th thoroughly search me. You want, to, you want to go to the supernatural plane? There's issues in our lives that God's saying, I need to thoroughly search you. It's the idea of when God spoke to Abraham and said, take your only son Isaac up and offer him to me. And he said at the end when he stopped him after the third call, he said, now I know that you truly worship me. Your heart's truly mine. God wants to know that. He'll know that. He'll wreck your life in a good way. He'll wreck you. God's a genius. His ways are higher than ours. His ways are past finding out. 
That's the work of the Spirit through the Word. What is the Word doing? This is good. Don't miss this. The Word is reading you. You, You're reading the Word, but did you know the Word's reading you? The work of the Spirit in the Word is to read ourselves to ourselves. As His reality penetrates our souls, we have knowledge that He knows more about us than we know about ourselves. I'm ending with this. I think I am. I am. Because next week we're going to talk about the good, that we're going to get into some good stuff. I I hope this hasn't been too weighty a matter for for some of us. But we have to to start here. The unregenerate man. This is where I'm at. This is where I started. Thank God I didn't have to stay there. The unregenerate mind. I didn't have to continue to be labeled a sinner. We, we used to sing that chorus all the time. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I was condemned to die. He took my place. I've changed my tune now. I sing, I know the peace speaker. I know him by name. I know the peace speaker. He controls the winds and waves. When he says, peace, be still, they have to obey. I know the peace speaker. Yes, I know him by name. You glad you know the peace speaker tonight? He knows you by name. Hallelujah. Next week we'll talk about the regenerate man. We'll talk about the transformed mind. How God's developing attitudes. New thought patterns. New mindsets. 1 Corinthians 2.16. I'll leave you with this. For who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? God... I know better than you. I'm going to take my life in my own hands. Would you dare instruct the Lord? I think not. But we have the mind of Christ. How many have the mind? You're after the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. You know why I do? Because I've been crucified with Christ. We'll we'll see as we go through this study. God wants us dead to sin. The regenerated mind says, I'm dead to sin. When I started preparing for this series, the enemy came and attacked my mind. You know what I came at him with? I'm dead to sin. You can't tempt a dead man. I'm dead. Now the Holy Spirit's working on me in James chapter 1. My God. What do you do when the surgeon comes and says, your wife has four major blocked arteries and she needs immediate open heart surgery? The Holy Spirit came and said, Can you have joy in the midst of this? The Word of God says we can. Right, Dave? That's what I like about Dave's testimony because he said, I'm going to have joy. He didn't deny the fact of what the doctors had said. See, we don't deny what's going on in our bodies and our flesh. What we do is embrace a reality of heaven. Lord, let what's happening in heaven happen on earth. Anybody hear that in the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Are we going to believe God's truth? 
Remember this. Here's a nugget. And I'll leave you with this. If you believe the lie, you empower the liar. If you believe the lie, you empower the liar. But we have the mind of Christ. Amen? Father, thank you for what you've done here tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit speaking to us by that word. Thank you that your word is reading us and revealing things in us and to us and through us by your spirit. Help us to never lean to our own understanding, but to in every step of our lives, order our steps in your word, Holy Spirit. We want to walk, be counted worthy to walk in holiness and in righteousness before you, Lord. Keep us dead to sin and alive unto God. In Jesus' name.